Listen, we are in a series called Live to Give. We started last week with a message entitled, God Must Be God must be first in every area of our lives. God has to be the first. We talked about the first fruits belong to God. Uh, our tithe and offering belongs to God. And uh, we talked last week about how many people focus on the tithe as 10%, which is what tithe means. It means 10. Uh, but we miss the revelation of the first. And I hope we brought that out last week. There are so many scriptures and so many examples of how God wants the first from us in every area of our lives, in our money, in our time, in our giving, in our love. He wants the first from us in every area. God must be first. And then it brings up the question, who is first in your life? You know, they say actions speak louder than words. How many have ever heard that saying, that little cliche, right? Well, I want to tell you, this series doesn't only focus on money, but it's just so, it's an easy example. Every time you get paid, I'll tell you who's first in your life. You know, maybe it's the mortgage company. Come on. Maybe it's Nordstrom's. Maybe Bass Pro Shops. You know, maybe Macy's. Maybe it's the electric company. I don't know, but you can tell who's first in your life by looking at your check register. Come on, that'll tell you who's first. Actions speak louder than words. Here's the thing. Before we move on today, let me just tell you what a non-tither is saying to the Lord. What a non-tither and a non-giver is saying to the Lord is he's saying, I don't trust you. I don't, I don't, I don't really trust you because I trust the, the mortgage company more than I trust you. You know, let me tell you what else a non-tither and a non-giver is saying to the Lord. A non-tither is saying that, you know, uh, I, I don't adore you. You're not first in my life. Because if you really trusted God in your life, listen, you know as well as I do, most of you, that in Malachi, the Bible, or if, if you haven't read it, at least you've heard it, uh, the Bible says if you would tithe, then the Lord would open up what? The windows of heaven pour out a blessing, come on, that you have so big that you have not room enough to receive. And what you're saying to the Lord, if you don't give and you don't tithe, is I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe you, Lord. I don't trust you and I don't believe you. Because there's nobody that would say, well, I, I just don't want that much blessing. I mean, who would say, no, that's okay, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to be a giver, I'm not going to be a tither, I'm not going to do that because I just don't want that much blessing. And that scripture also says that he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Who doesn't want the devourer rebuked for your sake? Let me tell you what else a non-tither is saying to the Lord. He's saying, I'm not grateful. He's saying, listen, I worked for this. I, by my blood, sweat, and tears, I work for this. This belongs to me, and so I'll do with it what I want to. How many know that that is an ingrateful heart? That's an ingrateful spirit, because none of us would even have the job to make money if it not be for God. Come on. Now, in the same way, a tither is saying, Lord, I trust you. I believe you. I trust you more with 90% that's blessed than I do keeping 100% that's cursed. That's what a tither is saying. 
And here's the thing, and then we'll move on to today's message. What we need to understand is that, and listen to me now, please don't, don't check out on me when, when I say this. What we need to understand is that when we say God must be first in our life, we have to actually mean God is first in our life. See, most of us feel like, well, and the way I was taught growing up, when I became a teenager and I was getting ready to go off to the army and all that, and my parents taught me, listen, you have to have some priorities in your life. They said, listen, if you have a house or a home or an apartment and then you have electric bills, you have a car payment and all those, you have to prioritize. You, know, you have to pay the mortgage company first because that's the roof over your head. That's just the way I was taught. Maybe people were taught differently, you know. Uh, and then you, you go down the line. But what we miss is that God has to be first, even above the mortgage company. Now, like I said, don't, don't check out on me when I say that. But God, God has to be first. Not the, I'm not talking about tithing to the church or to the pastor. So the, that's not what I'm talking about. And we're going to talk about this today. I'm talking about God has to be first in your life. Because the mortgage company doesn't have the power to bless your bank account. GMAC or the car company or the electric company, they don't have the power to heal you when you're in the hospital and you need healing. They don't have the power to deliver you. But God does. The presence of God has that power. And that's why, listen, he must be first in our life. And that's why today I'm going to talk about it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. If you have your Bible this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and I want to talk a little bit about a heart issue. You see, God has to do a work in our heart. Here's the thing about it. You know, giving, tithing, giving of your time, doing nice things for people, all of that, and I'm going to say this, it, it means nothing if your heart is not right. See, some people think that, well, I, I did those things. You know, I helped so-and-so, I always gave at church, I was always there to serve, and I did all, as if they're, as if they're making, you know, a, a line down the middle of their paper, and all of their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds, and that'll get me favor in the eyes of the Lord. Well, guess what? It doesn't get you favor in the eyes of the Lord. You know, it's interesting, my wife and I were watching a play yesterday on TV, and it's sort of a comedy play, and what happens during is that this uh, gentleman is married, uh, he and his wife are married, and he cheats on his wife in this play. And uh, so, yeah, he I know Angie, that's the Angie's going to see, that's just, exactly, that's what we were, we were going, man, this guy. And he cheated on his wife, but it was a long time ago, and she just now found out about it. So, of course, you know, they're going through it, you know, she's trying to decide, am I going to stay together with him? And uh, it's also a musical, which I like musicals, but you know, sometimes they sing too long and they always break out into song, pastor, you know, it's, you know, and uh, so he broke out into a song and he went into this song about how he was so sorry, you know, and I'm, I'll, I would never do that again and I love you mean everything. And he sung this song for about five minutes and he got on his knees and he was crying and slobbering and snot was coming out his nose and he was crawling over to her. And he was doing all of this stuff you know, going over to her, and at the end of all of that, she said, that was a great thing, but it's just, it's not enough, and she turned around and walked out, you know, and part of it was a comedy, the way I'm bringing it out to you wasn't, you know, everything there, but, um, but I turned to Dietra, you know, I said, you know what is interesting, uh, she said, oh, here we go, I said, well, you know, a lot of us treat the Lord that way, 
We really do. We, we go to him with so much. It's not that we're not emotional people. Of course we are. God made us that way. I'm not saying you can't be emotional. But when you go to the Lord with such emotion and you're crying and slobbering and begging and all that, and God says, all you had to do is just obey me. I'm really not looking for all of that. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll console you. God will console you. Uh, absolutely he will. He'll comfort you. He brings all of that to you. But he says, really, you didn't have to do. I'm not looking for all that. You know, you can clean all that up and then just obey what I tell you to do. Have faith. Believe in my word. Believe me. That's what God is looking for. Right? He's looking for faith from us. But God has to do a work in our heart. Let me just show you some things here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, says this. Now, I'm, I'm going to read this. Let me, let me first read it, and then we'll go back and look at it. It says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay? Matthew 7, verse 1 and 2. Now, I want to read that passage of scripture again, and I want you to look at it, and I'm going to emphasize some words in it as I read it, okay? And I want you to tell me what you think might be the subject of this passage that Jesus is talking about here. Tell me what you think might be the subject. Even the kids, listen up and see what you, t- see what you think might be the subject here, okay? I'm going to read it and emphasize some words. One more time. Here we go. Judge not that ye be not judged for with what judgment you judge you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured back to you now what do you think might could be the subject of this passage here anybody judging yeah judging right would you agree with that it's not a trick question i know you you agree judging could be the subject of this okay now this is the sermon on the mount okay Uh, matthew chapter 5 6 and 7 sermon on the mount jesus is 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 speaking here for quite a while but also others record the sermon on the mount in fact luke records the sermon on the mount in luke chapter 6 and we're going to go there next so you can turn over there to luke chapter 6 now the thing is luke brings out some things in the sermon on the mount that matthew didn't talk about in the same passage and so that's why I want to read that. And here's the thing. I don't know because Luke was a doctor, right? We know Luke was a doctor. I don't know if because he was a doctor and he was well-educated that he was just able to bring out some more things or remember some things that Jesus said or if because he was a doctor he wrote some things down and they couldn't understand his writing so they just filled it in. I'm not really sure, but there's some more things there that Luke brought out that Matthew didn't, okay? Now, before we do that, Here's what I want you to do for me this morning. Just a little unconventional. We're doing things a little differently this morning. Unconventional. I want us to understand the two important phrases here. You know, we understand that it's about judging. But I want you to, in fact, will you repeat these phrases just so we're on the same page, okay? Judge not and you'll not be judged. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Okay, all right, so we're on the same page here. Now, turn over to Luke, all right, you there, Luke chapter 6. Let's look down here at verse 37, all right, verse 37. It says, judge not 
and you shall not be judged. Now, hang on a second right there. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Go to the end of verse 38 in your Bible there. The end of verse 38. You see where it says, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. You see that there? Judge not, you shall not be judged. Verse 37, the beginning of it. The end of verse 38, with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Is that the same two phrases that we just repeated? Right, the same two phrases. Okay, so let's bring out some more in this, in this scripture. Let me go back and start from the beginning. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will it be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, did you see money anywhere in there? This is not a trick question. That wasn't very strong, right? It didn't say money in there. But we're going we're to see some things about this. Judge not, you shall not be judged. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. What do we say the context of this passage was? Judging, right? Now, we, we all agreed on that. When we were in Matthew, we agreed that the, the base context was judging. Now, here's the thing. Whenever Jesus speaks, we know that we must have the Holy Spirit to understand simply because this is not just a history book. It's not just a book uh, that we just read like it's a textbook. This is a book that is full of revelation. But we need the Holy Spirit to understand that. Because the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit, what? Gives life. And, and then, so you may say, well, why doesn't Jesus just say what he means in here, right? Well, if Jesus wrote down everything that way that we could understand it, I suppose this whole town would be filled with all the books that he wrote. And we may never get through it. So what the Lord does is he poured out his Spirit upon all flesh, and now we can go back and read his word, and he'll be able to bring out different things to us in his word. Here's the problem, though. Here's the issue with that. What we try to do is we try to start off with the great revelation way up in the heavenlies, and God is trying to tell us, why don't you first start with what I said? Okay? Start at the base with what I said, and then we'll go. It's everywhere in life. You don't go to second grade until you graduate first until you get out of first grade right you don't move up you don't usually get promoted in your job until you've worked in this part for a while and then you get promoted up but not us as christians you know we hear somebody give a great message or whatever it is and now all of a sudden we want to read something and go right to the heavenlies and god's saying can you just understand what i'm trying to tell you first in here then we'll move up into the heavenlies. Let's start there. So let's start with that, what God is saying in, in this verse right here, where he said, judge not, you will not be judged, okay? All right, and with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, here's the thing about this. In the kingdom of God, you always get back more than you give. We'll see that. So when we look at this, verse 38, Usually when a preacher preaches on verse 38, we hear it all the time. There are songs about it. What is it usually talking about? What is the preacher usually talking about or the songs talking about? Money, right? 
It's usually talking about money. Although, but it didn't say money in there. Did you? And you might say, well, it said, it said give. It's talking about money. It says give. But listen, it says give. You can give a lot of things, right? You can give love. You can give criticism. You can give condemnation. You can give forgiveness and mercy. You can give grace. You can give unforgiveness. You can give bitterness. There's a lot of things that you can give. In fact, uh, I, you know, I, I don't remember much about English class, but what I do remember that if you look at a sentence like this, we know that give is the verb. That's the action, right? Okay, stay with me now. Give is the verb. That's the action, give. You is the implied subject. All right, you say, well, I don't see you in there. Yeah, but that's, called, why, that's why it's called implied. It's the implied subject. In other words, you give and it will be given back to you, right? It is an indirect object. You can't give an it. Nobody knows what it is. So something has to be substituted for it, okay? Something has to be in there. Let's first start with what he's trying to tell us, Jesus is trying to tell us here. So in other words, here's what he's saying. He's saying, judge not and you will not be judged. In other words, give judgment and it will be given back to you. Then he said, condemn not and you will not be condemned. In other words, give condemnation and condemnation will be given back to you. If you give forgiveness... Forgiveness will be given back to you. But if you give judgment, judgment will be given back to you. And are you ready for this? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto you. Now think about that. What do you want to give? Now again, it is an implied subject. So can you put money in there? Of course you can. It, you just have to substitute something for it. He gave us three examples in this one. He said judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. But you can put a lot of things in there for the it. You know, I mean, you can give, you know, Reese peanut butter cups. I'm just giving some of you guys an idea, you know, right? You can give a lot of things. But of course, you can give money. And in the kingdom of God, you, you always get back more than you give, always. Right? Because the example is, the apple seed. You plant an apple seed, do you get back one apple seed? No. You get back an apple with a lot of seeds in it. Or an apple tree with a lot of apples on it that have tons of seeds in it. If you sow a kernel of corn or two kernels of corn, I understand that farmers say you should sow two, and you sow a couple of kernels of corn, that thing comes up and you get back many stalks of corn. Right, Many ears of corn. You always get back more than you give. That's the way that the kingdom of God works. And that's what we need to understand. Now, here's the thing. Luke 6.38 can be a great verse. It is a great verse. But depending on what you give, it can also be a terrible verse for you. <laughs> right? Depending on what it is that you give. Now, these terms, give and it shall be given back to you, right? Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. These are farming terms. Often Jesus did that. Remember before I talked about how Jesus was very agricultural. 
You know, he talked about, uh, uh, he used these as farming terms. These were farming terms. Here's what happened. In Israel, way back in the Old Testament, what they used to do is, if a farmer had a field, what they were supposed to do is they were supposed to leave the corners of the field there so that poor people, they had a way of taking care of the poor. Poor people could then come to the corners of the field and gather something for themselves. All right? Does that make sense? That's how they took care of the poor. See, that, that, at that time, it wasn't up to the government or welfare or somebody or some program to take care of the poor. It was up to God's people to do that. Not empower them, but to take care of them and to build them up and to teach them. Okay? Anyway, that's a side note. But that's what they would do in these, in these farm fields. Now, there were workers in the field. All right, follow along with me now. There were workers in the field working for the farmer. Okay, so the workers would have to fill up a basket. So they usually work for a denarius a day. So just say that's a dollar a day. They work for a dollar a day. Now, they, they, it doesn't matter how much they filled up their baskets. They weren't getting paid anymore. Okay? So then how would they fill up their baskets? Well, they would just put some in and then take it over to the side, dump it out. And then they would just put some in, take it over to the side and dump it out. You know, they were getting paid a dollar a day, regardless of how much they put in. How would a poor person fill up their basket. I'm going somewhere with this now. A poor person, how would they? Now listen, because here's the thing. Poor people usually didn't live by the farms. Poor people usually lived in the city. You know, a lot of times they made a hole in the wall and they could live there in that hole in the wall. That's where that came from. You live in a hole in the wall. All right, you've heard that term before. And uh, they would, they would uh, make out a hole in the wall and the poor people would live there. And the farms usually weren't in the city. They were way out somewhere in the country because you needed a big field and all of that type of thing, right? So the poor person, if they wanted to go and get something, they would have to get up, first of all, early in the morning, right? They would have to get up early because if you got up too late, there may not be anything left. And then they may have to travel for quite a ways. Maybe they have to travel for a few miles. Maybe they have to walk and they have to carry their baskets with them. So this might be the one time that they get something. So when they go there, now how are they going to fill up their basket? Well, they're going to put in a good measure. And then what are they going to do? Then they're going to press it down so they can get more into that basket. Then they're going to shake it together so that it settles down. And then they're going to put so much in that thing that it just runs over. Because this may be their only time. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. These were farming terms. That's how the poor people would do that. Here's, what's God, here's what God is saying to you. Give, and I'll give back to you just the way a poor person fills their basket. I will not skimp on giving back to you. You give to me. You give to others, which is giving to me. And the same way that that person fills their basket, good measure, they press it down, shake it together, running over, that's the way that you will receive back from me. Now, I don't know who doesn't want to walk in the kingdom of God with that knowledge. But I certainly do, because that's the way that God works. That's the way he works. But to get to that point, we must, we must have a change of heart. Now look back over here in Luke chapter 6. Now let's back up. He has to do a heart issue with us. Look back up at verse 30. I don't have it up there, so you just have to trust me if, uh, if you don't have your Bible this morning, cheat off of someone else, or just believe that I'm saying the right thing out of the Bible. All right, 
Verse 30 says, Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. I believe the King James says, Hoping for nothing in return. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, lend, here it is, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Let me ask you a question. Who lends to someone hoping that they don't pay you back? I've never met a person who does that. Yet, isn't that what Jesus just told us? Here's the thing about it. Now, some that might hurt your heart a little bit because you're thinking, oh, well, I'm just supposed to give to people and then how, how can I give if I don't have anything? Sooner or later, I'm going to run out. That's not what God is saying. He's saying hoping for nothing in return from that person. Let me bless you <laughs> because I bless you like that person who uh, put in that stuff in their basket. That's how I'm going to bless you. If you just, if, 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 I, if, 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 if Jackie just lends something to me, hoping that I just give it back to her, all she's going to get back is what she gave me. But if you give in this manner, hoping for nothing in return from that, blessing them, come on, that's the way Jesus is. He's a blessing to people, blessing them, then God will return to you. And remember the king, remember the apple seed, remember the kernel of corn. That's the way the kingdom of God, you never get back. You always get back much more than you ever give. But the key of it is, is your heart. Remember when we started out, I said, if you just give to people like God is some kind of genie or magician, that's not what he's looking for. It's a heart issue, God is telling us. Give hoping for nothing in return. And by the way, when it, when it says there, when it says there at the end, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil, uh, by the way, that was you and me. We were the unkind, the unthankful, and the evil. And he was merciful to us till we got the revelation of who the Messiah was, gave our life to the Lord. Now we're the overcomers. We are the blessed. We're highly favored, okay? But what are you supposed to do? Same thing God did. You are to be kind to the unthankful and the evil. He's telling us to bless them. Now, I believe this has been God's way uh, throughout history. He's just, Jesus is speaking a sermon on the mount, and he's revealing some things to us. But I believe even in the Old Testament, there are some things that we can see about how God wants us to have a heart change, okay? So turn back with me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 15. While we're turning back there, I just want to emphasize how much this is a heart issue. Because most of the time, well, I won't say most of the time, I can't say that. A lot of times, the way Luke 6.38 is preached is this. 
Give and you'll get. Give and you'll get. Simply that. Just give and you'll get. The problem with that is, can you just imagine God sitting up there saying, Oh, great. My people have caught the revelation of getting. And I don't think that's the revelation he wants us to get. (laughs) The revelation of getting. It's why it's a heart issue. It's not that it doesn't work. It's not that when you give, it, it, it does come back to you much more. But it's, I hope you understand the emphasis this morning. It's about the heart. It's a heart issue. See, God gives back to those who have a right heart. Think about it, parents who have children. When you see your children doing the right thing, when you teach, when you teach them things and, they, and you see them sharing, you then want to bless them because you know they've got it now. Think about children. You know, some of you don't have children, so you may not understand. You don't. You may not remember when you were evil like this. But uh, you know, children. Sometimes you ever had. You never had play dates. You know, and someone and and someone come over. Probably happens more with boys than girls. But you know, some some boys come over and they they want to play uh, with your son. And uh, so he has some toys there. And then I've seen this before. So my son has a toy he's playing with. And then the other boy comes and he grabs a toy. And my son will run over there and go, now I'm playing with that toy. That's my toy. Right? And then the other boy goes, okay. So then he goes and starts playing with another toy. Well, he puts that down and says, no, 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 that's my toy. I'm playing with that toy. They don't know how to share. We have to teach them how to share. We don't have to teach them how to be selfish. We are born takers and born again givers. And this morning, God is trying to give us the revelation to understand that you are a giver. It's what you are. If you are born again, you are a giver. You may not know it. You may not understand it. You may not realize it. But you are a giver. It's what you are. And when you get that revelation, God says, I will bless you out. The, the, the old cliche, I'll bless your socks off. Now, some of us need to keep our socks on, but, that, but that's the way God blesses us. He blesses us. Deuteronomy 15. Let me just show you four things here that we need to change with our heart. Deuteronomy 15, look at verse 7. Let's start at verse 7 and then go on down. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need. Whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand. And your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. Verse 10, you shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved. When you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all, all, all your works 
and in all to which you put your hand for the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you saying you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your to your poor and your needy in your land. Interesting. Very interesting. First thing that we must understand this morning is that we must deal with a selfish heart. We must deal with a selfish heart. We are born takers. We're born selfish. Look at verse 9. It said, Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying the seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against you. What happened back in these days is, as, as some of you may know, there were, there were six years of lending and borrowing and all those types of things, but in the seventh year, all debt was released. How many would like to go back to that system, <laughs> right? Seventh year, all debt is released. Yeah, the problem with us is we, in, in year six, we just buy everything we could because we knew next year, right? That's the problem. And we, our heart hasn't been dealt with. <laughs> but in the seventh year... Everything was vanquished. All debts were canceled. So if we're selfish, we're thinking, hey, next year all the debts are canceled, so I'm not giving anything to anyone. I'm not giving anything. I'm sorry, I can't, I, I don't have it. I can't lend it to you. I, can't, I just can't do it. Sharing is difficult. <laughs> and our hearts sometimes are selfish. You know, the first thing we think is, what am I going to get out of it? When is this person going to pay me back? They're never going to pay me back. They're not worth it. What are they going to do with it? All those things come to our mind. But God tells us to have a generous heart. See, here, I can, you know, God calls a wicked heart a selfish heart. And we need to deal with a selfish heart. Second thing is, we need to deal with a grieving heart. You might say, now what does that mean, a grieving heart? Well, look at verse 10. He says, you shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing, now listen to this, listen, please. This thing, the Lord your God, will bless you in how much of your works? All of your work. And everything that you put your hand to, all that you put your hand, all to which you put everything you put your hand. You open a new business? Well, if you're a giver, your business is already blessed. It's already prosperous. You go into school, you're trying to learn a new trade, you're trying to get a degree. Well, that thing, that pathway is already blessed if you're a giver with the right heart. See, God just doesn't bless the act of giving. God blesses the right heart. That's what he's trying to get us to see this morning. And we, must, he has to, we have to allow him to do a work in our heart. We cannot grieve. In other words, what does that mean? That means, okay, I'm going to give to you. I mean, I really don't have it. You know, my car needs some work, and, you know, I could use an extra Big Mac, and I need another pair of shoes, but, you know, whatever. Here, I'll give to you. You go ahead. That's me. I'm a nice guy. I'll give it to you. That's what I call a grieving heart. That's what I call not a cheerful giver. <laughs> Come on. 
And I mean, look at that last phrase. Wouldn't you like for God to bless you in all your works? It's amazing how selfishness attacks us before we give and grief attacks us once we give. (laughs) We have to fight selfishness to give and then if we do give, we're grieving over it. Man, I really could I really could use that thing. You know, I was just thinking that our our tithe went up this year pretty significantly. And uh I thought, man, you know, you look at that, I thought, that's a lot of money. But, you know, it's, it's what we do. We, we tithe, and we give it first. We set it aside, we never miss, we tithe. Well, it's interesting, and I didn't even talk with my wife about this, but it's interesting that as soon as we looked at the budget and said, oh, yep, this year's a new year, our tithe is going up, our giving is going up this year, we're giving more than we've ever given before, and that's a lot of money. Uh, as soon as that happened, uh, I mean, things just started breaking down on the van. I mean, you know, the window won't roll up, and, uh, you know, it's like raining every day, except for today. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what, what else was going on with it. The fender was, was broken off. Uh, you know, I, I can't even tell. Oh, the air conditioning only worked half the time. So the front air conditioning worked, and the back wouldn't work. And, you know, just, oh, the turns, the, the wipers, you know, they wouldn't work half the time. And, uh, I mean, just all kind of little things were just going wrong. That's a good opportunity to grieve. To go, Lord, now look, (laughs) I said the tithe is going up. Why are all these little things happening? Here's the thing of it, though. We've had the provision to take care of every last one of those things and more. We have not lacked in any area. It's not a brag. That's not a, you know, we're not rich by any means. Uh, You know, my father is, so I have all the provision I need. Uh, I have everything that I need, uh, you know, and, and more. Uh, but I'm just saying that God, we, God has never forsaken us, never forsaken us. You know, we, we don't lack in any area of our life, and that's the way he wants us to walk because it's about our heart. Third thing is you must develop a generous heart. Look down to verse 14. It says, you shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press, from what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. How many times have we heard that when you are blessed, the thing is not just for you, right? And if we would, man, if we would, if we would just catch that revelation, but it's so hard because our heart doesn't understand that. This heart of flesh doesn't understand it. It just doesn't, and the carnal mind just doesn't get it. It doesn't get the kingdom of God. But I'm telling you, if we would catch that revelation that when God blesses us, listen, he blesses us for us to take care of all of our needs and even our wants, but he also blesses us to give. If you would catch that revelation, you would, you would see. God would, God would open up. He would open up a curtain and allow you to see the revelation that there is endless supply of whatever you need and want. It doesn't stop. But to us, we're used to the natural world. We're used to things drying up, conserving energy. California has no water. You know, this, this, these are the things we're used to. 
But you must understand that walking in the kingdom of God, there is no end to the supply. They're just, it, I know that's hard for you to understand, but there simply is no end to it. God just generates it. It's in him. It's who he is. You say, well, how come he just doesn't, how come he just doesn't just give every time? I need, because it's about your heart. That's what he's trying to tell us. It's a relationship with him. He wants you to believe his word, have the faith enough to act on it and be obedient to it with the right heart. And the unlimited, endless supply is there for you, whatever you need. Whatever you need. Anytime you need it, God is there for you. Develop a generous heart. Don't just give a small amount. Don't just give enough. Give more than enough. We always talk about how God is more than enough. Well, then if we are going to be like God, shouldn't we be what? More than enough. More than enough. That's who he is. I didn't say that's what he does. I said that's who he is. And then lastly, we need to develop a grateful heart. Verse 15 says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. In other words, you were a slave to the world. And the Lord your God redeemed you. He paid a heavy price on the cross for you and for me. Therefore, I command you this thing today. And if it happens that he says to you, I will not go away from you because he loves you in your house since he prospers with you. Listen, what is God saying to you? He's saying, remember where you were. In case you ever get the big head. In case you ever want to be a little haughty. Remember that you were a slave to the world. And I came. Really without you asking at first. I know we have to ask the Lord into our heart, but I'm talking about all the way back when Adam and Eve were running from the Lord. And when, and, and when Paul said, look, Jesus died on the cross for us while we were yet sinners. Didn't even know what he was doing and he died on the cross for our sins and redeemed us. He bought us back. And many people don't even know that they're in bondage. Don't even realize the sin that they're in. While you're in that sin that you don't know about, God redeemed you back. And he paid a heavy price for you and for me. Not only so that you could just be with him and get into heaven, but Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it what? More abundantly. Why? Because I can do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. I'm not mad at you. I am madly in love with you, God is telling you. All I need for you to do is let me do a work in your heart. I am for you, not against you, the Lord is telling you this morning. All you need to do is let me do a work in your heart. Obey my word and you will make your own way prosperous and you will have good success. Not that kind of success where you give your money to Bernie Madoff. <laughs> Come on. Not that kind of success where you pour your money down the hole. I'm talking about good success where you're blessed and you're able to give and bless others. You must be grateful when you give. God has called us, folks, to be givers. 
And not only that, here's what he wants you to understand this morning. I've said it, and he wants to pound it home this morning. He's not, and I'm not teaching you this morning how to be a giver. That's not what we're doing. Here's what God is doing with you this morning. He is revealing the fact to you that you're already a giver. Because you have my DNA, says the Lord. I have made you a new creature. Old things have passed away. Come on, of being selfish and ingrateful. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is the kingdom of God, where you always are returned back way more than you give. You're returned back something that exceeds abundance. Not just exceedingly, abundantly. I know some of your versions say that. But he gives back to you, and what he gives back to you exceeds abundance. It's an abundance of comfort. It's an abundance of finances. It's an abundance of anything that he said, listen, what did he tell Moses? I what? Am. I simply am. Jesus stood up before everyone and had the unmitigated gall To say, before Moses was, I am. That's hard to understand. What does that mean? That doesn't make grammatical sense. I mean, you you get an F in English. Yet, Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by him. He's not a type of truth. He is the truth. So if he said it, it is the truth. It's not just a fact. It's the truth. Before Moses was, I am. What do you need? I am that. All you need to do is let me do a work in your selfish, carnal, ungrateful heart. I will give you a new heart. Not a heart of stone, but I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you my heart, and you'll be able to see how blessing others is a blessing for you.